Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Faith to Healing Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Studio B. That's right. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. <laughs> That's what you did there. Be good. You're not a dad, are you? Time to eat, right? Yeah. <laughs> be terrific. So, uh, welcome everybody. Thanks for being here. If this is your first time with us, then, uh, well, we are exactly what we sound like. We're Christians, and we believe in the basic Christian doctrines, the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua, the Son of God, Jesus. We believe in salvation through faith in Him. We believe in the scriptures that are relevant to believers today, from Genesis all the way to Maps. Praise God. And by maps, it's a joke for the end, right? Revelation, because the maps are usually in the back of the book. Genesis to maps. Genesis to maps. And, uh, you know, we've been doing the Torah portions. Uh, we have an emphasis on Torah because we believe it's relevant to believers today. The teachings and instructions of God, our Father, good fathers instruct their children. And so we did the Torah portions for the last uh, four seasons. And so if you wanted to specifically look and dig into one of the Torah portions, you can just look it up by name and find those episodes. Uh, there's three years of podcasts, and then there's the last two years of video. Um, so you'll be able yeah. to find all the tour portions on YouTube as well. Uh, but like Timeless. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, there's four episodes for each tour portion. So you, you get you know some, some overlap there, but you'll also get some nuggets that maybe we were inspired one year over a certain part of it and you know, other, other parts of it the following year. But this year we've been studying the Gospel of Matthew. It has been awesome. We're already just this, just today. We finished uh, the Olivet Discourse. So uh, chapters twenty-four and twenty-five is the Olivet Discourse. This is where Yeshua says, "Let me tell you what will befall you in the last days." Right. That's right. Um, and Ten now, virgins. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of stuff in there. I mean, we get Talents. It. Oh yeah. So now we're into chapter twenty-six, and we're going to be reading uh, verses one through nineteen today. And we're talking first about the leader's plot to kill Jesus. All right, hit it. You're going to read verses 1 through 5, the leader's plot to kill Jesus. Yeah. All right, so chapter 26. And it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes, the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Wow. So he's done with the uh, Olivet Discourse. Yeah, he oh, warned yeah. us. Yeah, he warned us. The last words of a dying man. So when it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, and this is verses 1 and 2, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Now the feast of Passover was celebrated annually in remembrance of Israel's exodus from under Moses' leadership. No, from Egypt, under Moses' leadership. Yeah. Typo. Israel's, yeah. Exodus from Egypt. Yeah. Exodus from Egypt under Moses' leadership. Of course, this is the fourth and final time that Yeshua predicts his arrest and crucifixion. Uh, you can also find it in Matthew um, 16, 21, Matthew 17, 22 through 23, Matthew 20, verse 17 through 19, and of course we got this reference here, Matthew 26, 2. And uh, of course the enemy had no idea what was going on to that degree. No. Nope. Because had they known, they would have not allowed him to die. Yeah. But if you go back and look at all these prophecies, it's like a mosaic, a piece here, a piece there. Isaiah 53 over here, and Zechariah riding on the donkey right here. You, you pull it on these pieces, then you can see a picture of the Messiah coming the first time to, uh, to bring salvation. That's right. Redemption. 
So um, as this plot develops, now we have the instigators here. It takes two people to, to form a coup. A coup is always two or more people. It says here in uh, verses 3 through 5 and 26, then assemble together the chief priests, <laughs> yeah, the scribes and the elders of the people, unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So Caiaphas was the ruling high priest during Jesus' ministry. He was the son-in-law of Annas, the previous high priest. The Roman government had taken over the process of appointing all political and religious leaders. Caiaphas served for 18 years, longer than most high priests, suggesting that he was skilled at cooperating with the Romans. He was the first to recommend Jesus' death in order to save the nation. John 11, verses 49 and 50. You know, that's a very interesting it is. Let's, let's, just, let's just read that you real share, quick. You want to share that a little bit? John 11. Bring something out. Chapters 49 and 50 are pretty cool. So... Let's read it. It says, And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. <clears throat> now, you don't think for a second here that Caiaphas is saying that Yeshua is going to die for the sins of the people and bring them to redemption and reconcile them to God, do you? I don't think that's what he's saying. He's prophesying, but, but the reference really goes even further from what I'm reading. Oh, you mean, and, and this he spake, he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, yeah. but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. So there's him prophesying, kind of like a Balaam. But here's the thing. He's, I don't think he knows what he's saying. I think he's saying, look, this guy's causing trouble for us. Not only is he challenging our authority and causing the people to challenge our authority and question us as their leaders, right. but also he's causing a ruckus, and the Romans are not happy about this. They don't like it. So then they come and they put pressure on me. Hey, control your people. right? So there's a, a multiple things going on. And so he's probably thinking to himself that if we don't get this under control and stamp this out, he's seeing it as a rebellion, that he's putting down a rebellion uh, against God because this guy's a blasphemer and these people are <coughs> following him because he's just a charismatic leader, almost like a cult leader. So I think he thinks he's saving the nation by putting Yeshua to death. Little does he realize he's saving the nation by putting Yeshua to death. You know what I'm well, saying? not only that, but if you stop and keep this in context, he says, and for and not for that nation only, verse 52 of John 11. Right. But that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Right. But if you keep reading, it says right here, Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim. Stop. <laughs> and there continue with his disciples. You can't make this stuff Little, up. little hidden. Yeah. Little, little if there's nuggets, not a hidden message in there for little, us. Little nuggets. Okay, you know, so he, he prophesies all these things. Stop. And then the he, two houses is in biblical And then he goes, uh, he goes to the world, into a city called Ephraim. Yeah. I know. What a coincidence. See, Ephraim's not Jewish. No. no we, we, we could talk about this all day long. All day. Yeah, we All we, day long. We really could. Because that's the whole thing about identity. Why is it so important for Ephraim to be identified? We won't get into it, but right. Ephraim has to come together with Judah. When Ephraim and Judah come together, they defeat the enemy. They fight the enemy. So you know it's the last days. So that's how close we really, really are. Yeah. So if Ephraim's in the church and the church is shut down, then Ephraim's not going anywhere. You know? And that's why, you know, when you think about what I think about what's going on here, you know, we talked about the high priest and the system. You know, there's really nothing wrong with the church system per se. I mean, the actual model, but what has to happen is there has to be some adjustments. Yeah. And then, of course, there are those that want to do Sabbath 
Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have to tweak the whole church system. Yeah. You know. There's some tweaks. You know, you can't say the church system is bad. No, because there's a lot of good in the church. It's just that there, there's some improvements. There's some things that we could dial up or fix. Some advances, if you will. Yeah, like like an advanced Christian. <laughs> but it's all about practicing your faith. Yeah. If you don't see the Shabbat, you're not going to do it. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know. But but my thing is, I'm just thinking about even our government. You know, the whole system. The way it was created and done, you know, we believe in theocracy, but the democracy has three branches of government, so there's equal weights and balances. Yeah, it all, it all, it'll all, it'll all work out. It's the rock, paper, scissors. Of government. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's, there needs to be improvement. Oh yeah, within that, and it's kind of like a parliament kind of thing. You know? Well, it's a democracy, but they can't really get anything done unless you have a majority and a coalition, and it gets to be really, really tough. Yeah. You know, that's why um, when you look at the uh, autopsy, or what is it, the, uh, something about the autopsy of a deceased church or something. Or a deceased nation, both of them. It's something about the autopsy of a, of, a, of a deceased church, but it was a, a book written by a gentleman. He was saying that because of the elders and the boards and things, the pastor's hands are tied up, and he can't really accomplish anything within a year or two or whatever, because so, he's trying Sure. But then just keep rotating pastors and then nothing gets done. Yeah. Status quo. Yeah. So nothing, sounds, nothing sounds gets, like Israel. Nothing gets done. Parliament, coalition. Do we want to, do we want to move on? Status quo. Um, yeah, let me move on. Yeah. So because this has got to develop into something. We talked about this earlier about the ethnic groups. but So this was a deliberate plot to kill Jesus. Without this plot, there likely would have been no groundswell of popular opinion against him. In fact, because of Jesus' popularity, the religious leaders were afraid to arrest him during the Passover. They did not want their actions to incite a riot by Jesus' followers. Later on, Pilate would be afraid of a riot by people who wanted to crucify Jesus. We're going to read about that in Matthew chapter 27, verses 23 and 24. But he was concerned that word would get back to the emperor of Rome and that he would be <laughs> discharged. Uh, it is interesting that we can't keep control. Well, they say that Pilate lost his position and committed suicide. It's one of the uh, historical records of Pilate. Oh, wow. They actually found um, engravings that said Pilate on it or something. Ah. So, but but the story is is that he did uh, lose his position eventually and committed suicide. Yikes. Yeah, so anyway, that's a tough rap, you know. But anyway, um, you know, religious spirits, one of the worst spirits. Because um, it really can be, um, I mean, you can see the extremes even among Islam. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, in Iran, you can see the, the Shiites there, the extreme version of the Ayatollah Khomeini and all that stuff. The uh, Just the extreme of it. Yeah. Well, things are getting pretty serious over there. Iran has uh, been in the news a lot. Israel has been, uh, you know... Sounding the alarm that if something isn't done I mean, soon, they're gonna. They're you know, gonna I mean, my thing is, you know, it's like a, it's like you know, you got to cut the head off the snake. <coughs> yeah, cut the head off the snake. I think the people of Iran are, are sick of it too. I think the majority of them are under thirty. Oh yeah, population is real, real young. But to make a long story short, the thing is, Iran has all their proxies. Right. You know, you got Hezbollah, yeah. Hamas. Oh yeah, and even in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yemen, different things. There's proxies there serving the Ayatollah, serving Iran for its purposes. And so, you know, uh, Trump took one of them out. He took a he took a, a leading official out of Iran. Yeah. I forget his name. Yeah. Let's but just continue that. Let's just let's keep just that guy's name that. in the dust of, of the So, dustbin. you know, we have to be careful being religious. How are we treating people? Right. Everyone deserves respect. Everyone has a free will. That's right. And like, you know, Jesus, they were the sinners and all that stuff. So you can't alienate yourself. You know, here we are. We're supposed to be a light on a hill, you know. Yeah. We're located at 1705, Lithia Pinecrest Road. Here we are. Thousands of people go back and forth. Oh, yeah. And so we can see where God wants us to be a light. But he also wants us to practice our faith, you know. And that's the thing that the Lord is really showing me is that I want you to practice your faith and I want you to be a light. I want you to be a witness. Amen. So those two things are so important. So every day, if you meet people or around people, you can try to give the best impression you can and, and really be different, you know, especially if someone's in need or something. You know. 
Yeah. So what do you have as far as any of this now? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little shocked, to be honest with you, that these people that are supposed to be recognizing the Messiah and embracing him uh, see him as a challenge to them. And so they plot to kill him. Uh, these are supposed to be the righteous leaders of Israel. And instead of being the righteous leaders of Israel, they're just you know clinging to their man-made power and doing what every other culture does and not leading in that regard, not being the city on the hill. Uh, and that's unfortunate because you know, Yeshua came preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. And you would think that these people would be gravitating to that message. But they saw it as a challenge to their authority because they thought they were the kingdom of God. And, you know, I, I just, well, I don't know. The kingdom of God concept is kind of New Testament. It is, but I, well, yes. Because he rules and reigns in the Old Testament. He's sovereign, but he's yeah. over the nations. We, we pointed that out. Well, Judah always saw themselves, right, as, the, as they're the, the Davidic kingdom, right, the kingdom, you know, that was established by Yahweh. I just, I, I just, I see how this can happen again. I mean, it won't happen again in the same manner, but I feel like we always want to say that, hey, we wouldn't be, just like the Pharisees did, they wouldn't have been the ones to stone the prophets. They said that. While they're in the middle of getting ready to stone Yeshua. To kill Jesus. Right. So, I mean, talk about hypocrisy. That's bad. But, this, but we are all in danger of this because as we get deeper into study and we think that we know something, we've learned something, right? Something's a truth to us from what we've interpreted from the scriptures. But then something happens that is in line with scriptures, but it's not in the manner that maybe we had originally thought. We have to be open to be receiving from God what God is doing. Um, just like Gamaliel says, don't be, you know, fighting God, right? If it's of God, or if it's not of God, it'll, it'll dissipate like a fire, you know, a flash in the pan. If not, then, you know, you'll, you don't want to be fighting think, think God. Think about it like this. I just got a, a nugget, a download. Check this out. What if, what if this is what's happening? Okay. The government of Rome was corrupt and bad. Oh, obviously. The, um. The religious institution at that time in the temple was bad for him to turn over tables and do the things he did. Sure. So, so at that point, and I'm not saying that the church system today is bad, but what if, what if this is what's happening? That the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement is it. Meaning that this is your last chance to be the bride and be prepared at this point in time. Right. So here's the opportunity for Sabbath. Here's the opportunity for the feast days. Here's the opportunity for the Torah, which is teachings and instructions. Yeah. Here's the opportunity to be great in the kingdom of God because you live it and you do it. Yeah. So so what if that's like an incentive? Like God says, okay, I'm going to pull out my people then. Sure. The church will exist. It's existed for 2,000 years. But now I'm doing the Hebrews and Christian faith movement. And who's going who's gonna to be pulled out of the church? And who's going to want to do this movement? Sure. Not to criticize the church movement or the church itself. But now it's an opportunity but it's not really a slap in the face. Well, it's like the intro to our podcast. Imagine being the first generation that is born again, filled with the Spirit, right? Baptized in water. Baptized in water and has the Torah. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, I'm just saying that if we study movements throughout church history, I think that this is the move of God. Absolutely, I agree. Now, it's been hijacked. Oh, of course. <laughs> like anything. Yeah. Even the late, great Dr. Michael Heiser went to be with the Lord last week. Um... He was talking about different variations of Judaism at the time of Yeshua. Yeah. You had Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots. You had the Essenes, right, maybe, mm -hmm. later on or whatever. Herodians. You had, all, you had all this stuff going on, these different factions or sects of people, and now all of a sudden, here we are, you know, we're the church, but look at what this church is doing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next year. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why, like, you'll be watching the news and you'll hear things like sectarian violence, right? Well, that's just the group of people that you would say is all the same group, but they're infighting, you know? It's like the Democrats and Republicans are in the same building. Well, they're still American. They're still right? in Congress. Yeah. They're still in the Senate. Right. They're still democracy. They're still American. Right. See, the, the goal is love, respect, and unity. Yeah. Because that, that's the key to accomplishing something. Yeah. So we have to say, do we have a strong community? Got some challenges. Yeah, we do have a strong community. But are we raising the next generation? Yes, but we've got to really 
do more. Yeah. Do better. Yep. A lot better. Yep. Mo better. Mo better. So I'm looking forward to that. I see that. So we got to get that going. But like I said, this was a, this was a plot to kill Jesus among the religious leaders. It's not good. What, what did Yeshua say? You know, you go and you take one convert and you make him worse than yourself. Oh, more son that. of hell, right? Imagine that. So I'm in Hebrew roots, or you know, okay, and then I teach my son, you know, to, to bash the church. Oof. And then he grows up. He has kids. They bash the church or whatever. And they have a little group or whatever. They're nothing real big, but they, but they, you know, this is what we do. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at. There are three generations right now in the earth that have Hebrew roots. At least three generations. Well, that's at least that's why we have this term called uh, Torah terrorism. You know, and you have Torah terrorists. I think people come into the Hebrew roots at first, and they they get very zealous and they feel uh, lied to, um, and they, they they get frustrated with the church and you know the Pope and. They start pulling out their tour bullets on like their family and friends, you know, like gunning them down, saying like, "You need to do this, you need to do that." How about know? this? You're in a religious institution, and the doctrine's false. How bad is that? That's rough. So you're not only like a hater or resentful or whatever you're doing, yeah, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. you're you're like teaching, well, you got to be baptized in water to go to heaven, or whatever. I mean, I'm just saying all the doctrines that are out there, you know, right? And there's there's a a plethora. Or you say, you know, well, if you speak in tongues, that's of the devil. You know, I mean, all these things that we teach and do and say. That's right. It's not even true. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say. No, just read First Corinthians 14. You'll so what we want to do something. is, you know, it was interesting that before we get into this next section, I'm going to get to read. Before we get into this next section, it's kind of interesting that it could be that uh, this was a, in a different order. So Matthew decides to put this particular, a woman anoints Jesus with ointment. Mm -hmm. Matthew 26, verses 6 to 9, I'm going to read. He actually places this at this point in time. Well, and he says, you know, Yeshua. Because it's actually, it's, it's actually in, in a different chronological order, but he was showing a contrast. Like, here's the religious institution. Here are these priests who want to kill Jesus and all these things. Right. And this woman values Yeshua. That was one, one of the notes. So if you kind of look at it, if you go back and look, we're in Matthew, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it, as far as the chronological order, it's, it's different here. So you see what I'm saying? He puts it here because look, you know, the verse one and two, in the verse two, it says, Bethany. but he, well, meaning in verse two, he says, you know, that after two days is the feast of Passover and right. the son of man is betrayed to be crucified. Right. So he's explaining all of that. And then it talks about how the chief priests and uh, everybody got together to start plotting to kill him. And then boom, now he's trying to talk about the anointing for his burial. So it kind of goes together as a subject matter. Um, in that way, but it may not be necessarily actually happening in that order, what you're saying, right? Yeah, I never really, I don't want to go too deep on that, but I just want to look at something here. It's just, I found it interesting, you know. Mm Here it says in John 12, 1, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany. There's, there's something going on here. So maybe this actually happened before. I'm just saying. Because we're saying in two days and then here. This not to say, oh, there's a contradiction. No, what I'm saying is that they're the authors of the gospel. I'm just saying that when you get into this stuff, it's very interesting. See, like right here where it says Jesus anointed at Bethany. There's Mark 14, 3 through 9 and John 12, 1 through 8. Yeah, it's not even. Well, it says now when Jesus was in Bethany. This one doesn't actually give a timeline, so it makes sense that it could let be. Let me go ahead and let, let me go ahead and read that. This, let me get into this now. Yeah, because it's I spent a lot of time on this page. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Mm. So Simon the leper, uh, it's interesting because you make it all the way into the Bible, and forever they call you Simon the leper. 
You know what I mean? Of all the things to be known as. What's like... Uh... Well, here's what it says. It says, Simon the leper had most likely been healed by Yeshua since the meal is hosted in Simon's home. And even though lepers were requ- uh, even though lepers are required to live apart from the general population. So we should change this That's with a, a caveat. Simon the healed leper. You know, because clearly he wasn't still a leper. I don't think you're going to be having dinner at a leper's house. No, I don't think so either. Especially if he's currently had leprosy, you know. He's like, but I spent 30 years without leprosy. I get leprosy one time and forever for 2,000 years they're calling me Simon the leper. You know, back then there was no cure for leprosy. You died You died a leper. Correct. So the woman in this story uh, is identified in John chapter 12, verse 3, as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Pretty cool, huh? It is. The scripture interprets scripture. So she's a Nazarethite, right? They're from Nazareth. So the ointment. They're not from Nazareth. Mary, Martha, and Martha. Oh, Bethany. That's what I meant. Bethanites. 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 But didn't Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, didn't they know Yeshua as friends somehow? I don't think so. No? Okay, maybe not. They heard about him and joined him. So the ointment is spikenard, according to Mark chapter 14, verse 3, and is used for a perfume oil uh, in solemn acts of devotion, yeah. many times in like burial or other other things. Have you ever seen how expensive cologne could be? Oh, like yeah. Like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, for like a little vial. For like two ounces or an ounce. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is a whole alabaster flask of... Anyways, alabaster boxes were carved from a translucent gypsum stone. These boxes were used to hold perfume oil. Probably because it wouldn't seep through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. It's a gypsum stone. Gypsum is what, like... Uh, That's a whole other world, studying stone that doesn't oh, yeah. absorb the, the chemicals. Yeah, but like gypsum is uh, sheetrock. So like wallboard, like the wall right there, is made out of... You can scratch it. Gypsum. Very delicate. Now, the disciples, all the disciples, were indignant. Uh, but John's gospel singles out Judas Iscariot as especially so. So Judas was very upset about this. And that's brought out in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Right. We don't have to read that. Now, I, I will say that this is an interesting story. I, I feel like it, it plays out a little more, but there's a discussion question here. And it says, discuss how honoring a person in the midst of others could be judged in a negative light. I didn't really have an example for that, but I like the question. I like the discussion. <laughs> it's funny. Because like, I didn't have anything to come to mind. I was just thinking, okay, let me think. So I was sitting in the circle and I was thinking. Okay, Jesus is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So somebody's doing something for him and they, they know that Jesus is good. Oh, yeah. Now, I've, I've done stuff for others because I know that. I know them personally, whatever, but some yeah. people would not maybe like them. Correct. Or not like that you bless them. Just because they're thinking a certain way of them. Maybe, but not necessarily. But I'm, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, okay, the disciples were good. Most Jesus of the time, is good. It's Mary's jealousy. good. So there's good going on. Like, why would they do that? So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I was thinking of a couple things. So let's, let's try something like this. So let's say we're buying a vehicle for a widow. We want to bless somebody. And. Uh, we buy her a Bentley or a Rolls Royce. And everybody's like, wait a second. Like, why in the world? Like, I understand that's that, a good point. I understand that you want to, like, bless this person or you want to anoint this or person. Or why would you buy a new car? But, or, right. Why whatever. You use one? Whatever, exactly. That's a good point. Because we say that about pastors. Like, oh, pastor's got a new car. Oh, it must be good being in the church business. You know what I mean? Or something. You know, it just came to my mind the way we're so judgmental. Oh, man. So. Real quick, like I just got a thought. Yeah. Because remember during the Super Bowl, they had the Super Bowl ads about Jesus. That's right. And they spent millions of dollars. That's right. And everyone was critical on there, even Christians. You could have used that money for something Man, else. that's a good example. See, you do have an example. That's really not mine. I mean, I didn't experience it. But that is an example. And I thought about it too. Like, wow, think about all the money you could do. They're talking about feeding the hungry and helping the homeless and school programs or whatever it is. Sure. You could have used that money for that. And so it's the guy that owns Hobby Lobby. Oh, yeah. I understand. My man. But that's what he chose to do. Sure. So if he's led to do it, 
and it's almost like if we second guess him or question him, we're coming against God. Because what if God told him to do that? And then you say, now you're altering God's purpose. But see, it's such a good example because I, I was looking for ways. Like, like imagine you're in the circle in your group and you just want to bless her. So you pull out a wad of cash for $10,000 and you just hand it to somebody. Other people would be jealous of that. I don't think people were jealous in this case. And I don't think people were jealous in the case of the ads put on the Super Bowl. I think the people were questioning the motive because they're like, well, you could have put commercials on on different TV station. It didn't have to be the Super Bowl. But we're sitting here on this podcast talking about it for one reason. That's because it was put on the Super Bowl. Period. End of story. I think it's called One of Us. The promotional thing. Yeah. There was, two, there was two commercials. Yeah. There's two commercials. And uh, they're, you know, one of I them. I thought they were pretty good myself. Yeah. One of them was pretty good. I think the other I one. I think they were cheesy or too churchy. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, we just uh, we as Christians have to get our mind out of the idea first off that um, that our king doesn't have the cattle on a thousand hills. People put such a priority on money, and that's because they serve the god Mammon, right? They have a, a, a they feel something about money. They have something attached to money. Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When it comes to preaching the good news of Yeshua and spreading the good word. Is it too much to put an ad about Jesus on the Super Bowl? No. You're taking a platform and you're putting the name of Jesus in front of you know, millions and millions of people. And now people are talking about it. And they're talking about Jesus. So I don't think uh, – also I don't think the commercials put Yeshua in like a bad light either. I don't think no. it was like – One of us. Right. right. He was one of us. He was. Son of man. That's right. The Son of Man, so Super Bowl ad about Jesus question. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good example. I think came up with because I was, you know, I was racking my brain last night trying to find like an example that would line up with this. Because also, like the question was like, was this woman wealthy? Like, was was Mary wealthy? Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know one way or the other, and I don't think it matters. I think everyone there recognized how expensive what she had was. It was worth a lot. So. And I think we're going to get into that here in the next set. So I'm going to read, and then we can keep keep the story going. Because we've kind of already... This is Yeshua's response, I should say. That's why we broke that up. That's right. So when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this, co- this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So the ointment was valued at more than 300 pence, Mark 14, 5. Approximately a year's wages for the average worker. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. Now, in regards to the poor, Jesus brought back to mind Deuteronomy 15.11. I want to read the whole verse. 15.11. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. So, in the, in the bullet point here, it says here, The poor shall never cease out of the land. Yeah. But once again, you should always try to take care of the poor. This statement does not justify ignoring or ignoring. Uh, yeah, this statement does not justify ignoring the needs of poor people. Scripture continually exhorts us to care for those in need. Mary's unselfish act will be remembered forever. While the disciples misunderstood Jesus's mission and constantly argued about positions of status in the kingdom, and while the religious leaders stubbornly refused to believe in Jesus and plotted his death, this woman loved Jesus so much and was devoted to him so completely that she considered no sacrifice too great for her Lord. She is an example to us all of selfless devotion to our Savior. Amen. Now, let me read that again, just the one, the one little sentence. Yeah. And I, I want to encourage everyone. Mary's unselfish act would be remembered forever. What comes to my mind right now is 
as the Jewish people extend a hand to us, and we extend a hand to them, and we love them unconditionally, and we show them the love of Christ, we uh, respect them, and then in Judaism, think about it. This this will be a memorial forever. Beit Tehillah will be sheep and not goats. Amen. So so think about that. Our church embraced the Jewish people, the chosen people. Yep. Our church loved the Jewish people. Our church prays for the peace of Jerusalem. Ryan, this church will go down as a memorial forever. Yeah. That's powerful. Now, you can talk about the past glory. You can talk about a lot of things. Before Israel became a nation, the Holocaust, whatever you want to talk about. But what stands the test of time? Now, had the Jews not contacted me or put a hand out to me, I don't think we would be where we need to be because they initiated it because they're Judah. Yeah. Judah goes out first. Judah approaches Joseph. The gospel to the Jew first. Yeah. I'm just saying that I like that. So how much greater will the memorial be when we are having a Beit Tehillah Israel? Amen. What, what's the buy-in? What about everyone that's been to Israel already? That would be great. Imagine, like you said, you pulled up flights for 800 bucks. Is that round trip? Yep. So so for 800 bucks, you could go to Beit Hila Israel, maybe have some spending money or whatever. Yeah. But it, it supports itself 24 hours and seven days a week. And you're in. Yep. You're not spending four or $5,000 on a regular trip. You get to go over there for a week, two weeks or whatever for 800 bucks. I mean, where do I sign up? Like, okay, bring your spending money, you pay for your airfare, and Beit will take care of the rest. They'll drive you around, they'll have a place to stay. Nice. You know, it'd be packed out. Nice. How many people are going to want to do that? Can you imagine? Uh, there's probably going to be some something that we would need to, to have some funds raised. We would, but, feed what, them no, and, but what I'm know, saying but, is that we would help to do the work in Israel. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not just Hayo Bell. No, but no. But there's a lot of things we could do. Absolutely. There's construction, there's carpentry, there's whatever. Oh, you name it. Moving rocks. A lot of rocks. Anybody can move a rock. That is a lot of rocks. Raking rocks, picking up rocks. They got rocks on them. Their rocks have rocks. So anyway, a woman's good work. So wow, I can't wait to meet her. So here, here we go. So discuss some ways in which you can show honor and value to Yeshua as your Redeemer. That's our discussion question. Oh, we're already on the other page. We're already on the other page. I'm on page three. I just put loving others. Loving others. Who was it? Vince Bardot was telling me, I guess he had his granddaughter, niece? Wait a minute. Um, she came to one of the services and she was reflecting how they left, how much everybody loved everybody. Yeah. She picked up on that. You'll know my, they'll, you'll know, they'll know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. Yeah, so she was like, there was a lot of love there. Oh, that's good. I know. Yeah, Danny mentioned uh, a couple things, uh, mercy, forgiveness. Um, my daughter, uh, Christina, mentioned humbling yourself. Um, and then uh, my wife, Ashley, mentioned give him your first fruits. So I was pretty, I, I thought those were all good answers, you know, um, you know, Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Amen. Uh, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Um, you have to humble yourself, because if not, you will be humbled. Amen. And when we give to the Lord, we want to give Him of our first fruits, and that's not just financially. That's you know when you wake up in the morning, bless the Lord. Amen. Wow. So that's ways that you can honor and value Yeshua as your Redeemer, um, to act like Him. You know, be a good disciple. Praise God. Yeah, that, that's probably one of the hardest things. I pray, Lord, let me be Christ-like. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's a long road. I mean, we say love people, right? Love love God and love others. And really, how do you know, how do people know that you love God if you don't love others? They don't, right? You're just a jerk to everybody else. But, oh, you love God so much. Then everybody knows you don't really love God. You just love yourself. Yeah. You want to show yourself as pious or whatever. But loving others is difficult sometimes <laughs> because we all have people that we prefer. We're talking about this, right? And then we have people that we have to work a little harder at the loving because love is an act. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I mean, 
I would pray this for everyone because everyone needs help. I would I would pray this for everyone. You know, I can honestly say that those that are a little indifferent or those that rub me the wrong way, I can honestly say I really do love them. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you, I've seen people like this and I've seen them kind of come out of it and start doing better in their life. Like they're better at what they're saying, they're better at what they're doing. Yep. You can see a difference. You see a change in behavior, which is like a maturity or something. So that's why, you know, if you avoid certain people, you'll bring more of them in your life. So you want to, you want to overcome that. You know, it's, it's funny because I always, I always say this, the good thing about God is that if you don't pass the test, you get to take it again (laughs) and again and again until you pass it. You know, one of my, well, we'll talk about that once we read this. I'll go ahead and read that you, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. I got a thought that okay. I want to share. All right. It's Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. Now, Judas ag- agrees to betray Jesus. <clears throat> I know. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. All right, so we have some bullet points here. The first one is pretty good. It says here, Jesus' ministry was not going the way Jesus had hoped. A treasurer, or the treasurer, or as treasurer, sorry, Judas certainly assumed that he would be given an important position in Yeshua's new government, as did the other disciples, if you look to Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 37. But when Jesus praised Mary for pouring out ointment worth a year's salary, Judas may have realized that Jesus' kingdom was not going to be political, but spiritual. This surely made him frustrated and angry. Judas' greed desire for money and status could not be realized if he followed Jesus, so he betrayed Jesus in exchange for money and favor from religious leaders. Now, Judas was really unhappy about this oil <laughs> this ointment i was thinking about this because if you this yeah, but notice when you read matthew he's not mentioned is this from the is this from the um life application Bible. this is this is actually a study note okay yeah actually a study note. i found this interesting because if we read the context of the last several chapters okay we've got uh where Yeshua is confronted in like 19, 20, 22, 1, 22 by the religious leaders and he just shuts them down because his answers are just, you know, they're God himself giving the answers, right? Right. Then we get to 23 and he just lays into the Pharisees and just tells everybody what the reality of what's going on with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all the religious leadership, scribes and all that. Then we come to 24. Now he's at the temple He's just shut down everybody. The disciples are all excited to be there with him. They're like, oh, yeah, I can just hear like the, the theme the music, temple. you know. Look how awesome the temple Exactly. And they're picking out carpet and they're picking out tile and they're thinking to themselves like, oh, my office is going to be here. Yeah, but who's in the temple but the bad priests? Exactly, right? Well, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, Yeshua just shut all these people down. So we're going to be wiping these guys out and then we're going to come and take over. They're thinking they're going to be part of this new established order. This new established right. government that Yeshua is going to bring because he's the Messiah. And that's what they think the Messiah is going to do. But then Yeshua is like, wait, you see these buildings that you think are so beautiful? Not a stone will be left on one another. All this is going to be yeah. torn down. And then they are all confused in, in 24. And they're like, wait, so what is, when is this going to happen? And when is this, what is the sign of your return? Like, what is the sign of your coming? Right. They're confused. They're upset now. They're like, wait a second. I was just picking out tiles. Now you're telling me we're going to destroy this place? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. That's bad news. So then he starts describing tribulation and how people are going to betray and hate one another. And then how they're going to put the disciples are going to be killed. And I'm sure Judas is hearing this, you know. And then we go into the wise and foolish virgins and all these things. And the kingdom. So the kingdom's now not looking the way that Judas thought it was going to. Then we have this scenario with the, the flask of oil. And Judas is like, all right, I, as the treasurer, this right here was irresponsible. I'm ups- this, this guy say, though, is making bad decisions. But didn't Judas take money from the bad? 
Of course. His own personal gain. Of course. You can use every good treasure but skin. But, but the, the reason why I'm saying that is because I get that he's a zealot. And I believe that that he had some greed. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's after the fact. What will you give me? That's his old nature. That's the old Judas. What Correct. will you give me? Correct. So he got 30 pieces of silver. But there's a flip side to this, and I'm sure you've heard it. He believed if he did that, then Jesus would show himself. Even though he had the old Judas nature, he took 30 pieces of silver. Sure. If I get him to them, he's going to show he's a king, and he's going to kick butt. Correct. He thought but maybe that he was that just way. expediting Yeshua's opportunity to what cut these guys off at the What have I done? Oh, yeah. I have shed innocent blood. I have, I have heard that as well. Um, you know, and then there's, of course, the gospel of Judas, which is a travesty. Only God the knows the motives of a heart. You right? know about the gospel of Judas, right? I've heard The premise that. behind it, the, the, the subject matter is... He was more enlightened than the other disciples right, by turning him in. And of course. Well, again, because yeah. the idea here is that, hey, look, this guy's the king of kings. He's going to shut all this down. So if I go and get this started, I need to stir the pot. I need to get things going because I'm tired of waiting around. And then Yeshua would obviously cut all these guys off at the knees and put a stop to their administration. And then yeah. they would all. So, so Matthew alone records the exact amount of money Judas accepted to betray Jesus. 30 silver coins, the price of a slave. That's Exodus right. 2132. Also, it's the price if, it, if an ox gores somebody. Mm. From along those lines, I thought that was another note. But the word betray is the same word used in Matthew 2410. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So that word betray in 2410 is there's going to be a lot of Judases. You thought they were your friends. Yeah. Then they turned on you. That's Judas. Yeah. That's painful. It is. Yeah. All right. So we're going to read uh, chapter 26, verses 17 through 19. The disciples prepare for the Passover. So it's my turn to read. It no, it's my turn. I was doing this. And then, oh, you uh, did Judas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Judas. Oh, cool. So, all right. All right. So now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, the master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Go ahead and take it. No, this is all you. You're up. This is no, you're up. Okay, I got it. I'm going to listen. The Passover took place on one night and at one meal. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was celebrated with it, continued for a week. The people removed all leaven, or yeast, from their homes in commemoration of their ancestors' exodus from Egypt when they had not had time to let the bread dough rise. Thousands of people poured into Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire for this feast, which is why when we were at the beginning of this, and it said that the uh, chief priests and scribes assembled together uh, that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. They had decided, hey, we don't want to do this during the feast because if we do, then we're going to have a lot more people rioting on our hands because they know people probably are coming there hoping to see Jesus. You know, and you know, little. But why did it end up happening? They got it. Yeah, I don't know. So not only did they, they did it, at they did. I don't think they had a choice. I think you know Yeshua was there. You know, stirring things up, and you know they were. The, it's against the uh, the protocol to meet at night, right? Didn't have witnesses. Right. There was a lot of. Bad oh, they had stuff to come up with false witnesses. There's a lot of just bad stuff. They felt they they sought people that would just say things, and then Yeshua comes and supposedly he you know incriminates himself by saying that he's God because he is. So not only did Yeshua prepare a place for him and the disciples to celebrate the Passover, but the disciples had to do their part in the preparation. Praise God. So discuss why and how it is so important to prepare for the Feast of Passover. You've got some good notes there, so I'm excited to hear what you got. Well, basically, uh, discuss why and how it is so important to prepare for the Feast of Passover. Number one, first prepare your heart. Mm. You know, I tell people all the time, you, know, you can be in the service, but your heart can be far from it. Mm -hmm. So you got to get the heart to line up with the service. you got to get your heart to line up with what God wants. That's right. So like the study of Purim, to be courageous, to be like an Esther. So we got to prepare our hearts for Purim. Yeah. And that way, you know, the revelation of the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles 
the restoration of the whole house of Israel involves our heart. Because it could be an incredible revelation. You could believe it, but your heart could be far from it. Yeah. And I think that's what happens in our broken relationships. It tears down the vision that God's given us. Yeah. I've, I've, I've witnessed that. I've experienced it. I agree. That bad relationships tear down the vision. And so you have to look at it like, wow, you know, what part of this do I need? Uh, so as you prepare your heart, you know, that's, that's the, the most biggest thing. Uh, think about that. And then uh, as you prepare for Passover, watch out for betrayers and deniers. Mm. So that's Judas and Peter. Yep. So at this time, we've got Haman. This is a genocide poem. Not even a few weeks later, we're going right into Passover. That's right. So really, we should be getting ready now. That's right. You know, tomorrow's March 1st. You know, I find it interesting, too, that uh, just a note that uh, Ramadan is celebrated in March. This year. Yeah. So Ramadan's coming up. It just, I don't know how many days away. Yeah. So Ramadan is coming up, and every time Ramadan happens, there's violence. Oh, yeah. And that's a celebration that the, uh, the Islam fast during the day and they eat at night. Right. And I'm not, I'm not putting down Ramadan. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a proven fact that there's violence during Ramadan. Every Ramadan. So that's like saying, you know, is there violence at Passover among Christians? No. Not really. No. But Ramadan triggers something. It does something. Yeah, it does. And, and I would like to go back and study it. Let's go back. What happened last year during Ramadan? The year before. The year before that. What happened during Ramadan? Yeah, I can tell you that there's always something in Israel with the, you know, um, Palestinian Arabs that they're always doing some terrorist attack or Arab, you know, uprising of some sort um, every year. I mean, I, I don't think I can think of a year where there wasn't something going on during Ramadan. Although I would be cranky if you didn't have me eat all day, you know. I kind of feel... I'm not knocking Ramadan. I'm just saying that why is there violence? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, the week before Passover, you know, you always want to slow down on your your bread consumption, uh, your puffy bread consumption, I should say. You know, stop buying it at the store because you're just going to like throw it, it, it away. I like the out, yeah. You know, and this is a representative process of getting your life cleaned up. Because That's a good point. What you do is you get the gross negligent sin, you know, gross sin out of your life. So you get the leaven products out of the house. Um, and then you then have some residual residue left over. You got to pull the stuff out of the cupboards. You want to get all the crumbs and stuff out. You want to sweep the floors. You really want to take the time to clean up. And this is a process that, like you said, there's the physical process, but there's the heart process at the same time. You should be mirroring the, the physical and the spiritual together. And that's one of the great things about the feast that the Lord has provided to us is they're great object lessons for us to get ourselves in alignment with the Lord, as you were mentioning. So that's to me how you prepare for the Passover is you get the sin out of your life. You know, stop the sin. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you, you know, I'll just be honest. I mean, if you just get off social media Oof. or just very <laughs> disciplined at it, yeah, like, or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, like right now I'm watching the Shimon Perez documentary. Oh, yeah. And it's like an hour and a half, two hours long. So like I might want to get something to eat and drink. So I sit down and watch maybe 15 minutes of that. I'm done. Nice. You know, maybe check the news a little bit on Yahoo. Look at the news a little bit. But uh, I'm not a big sports fanatic at this time of year. I'm not into college basketball, March Madness. Yeah. But the, the bottom line is that uh, I feel closer. I feel better. I feel cleaner. Because what are you filled with? That's right. So what are you filled with? And if you really take Jesus seriously and get alone, you'll discover the, the spiritual audit where you're at. Yeah. I, I want, you know, just as a little exercise for the folks listening, um, whether you're on Apple or Android on your phone, you can pull up your screen time. And so you can see, number one, how much time have you spent on your phone? Number two, you can segment it by app. So if you would tell you, hey, today you were on your But let me ask you this. So see, I'm in trouble. I'll tell you why. Why? Because I do rain sounds on YouTube channel. So then it'll tell you that you're on YouTube for X amount of time, and you know, hey, I was two hours of that was this. So that like you can, eight hours of rain sounds. Because like, oh, because it's at night. You could get me if you were a true Pharisee. Nah, 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 but you get. Oh, look at you, little Pastor Nick. YouTube, 
Eight hours? Yeah, but you know what that is. I'm just saying it's funny how that can be. It can be, but it's... I just thought... It's not like that was TikTok. Screen time. You're, you're right about that. Okay. <laughs> it's not like yeah. TikTok. Is you TikTok could... an app? <laughs> it is. is it? I mean, I don't... I, okay, it is. It TikTok... I'm sorry. You're right. TikTok is an app. I'm sorry. But I think TikTok... <laughs> is TikTok an app? But TikTok crosses over to other apps, doesn't it? Or can you get like TikTok on YouTube or not? Or okay. you can only get TikTok if somebody puts TikTok on their Facebook page. Listen. Listen. TikTok is an app. I, I TikTok is a social media platform. Okay. And it's basically, it's it comes from the same idea like Vine. It came from China. Just short videos. Which is points. where we got the Kung Fu. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> just short video clips. And so now, in, to compete with TikTok, Instagram added Reels, and so did Facebook, the short video clips. YouTube Reels? So if you have, or YouTube Shorts. Shorts. Is the same thing as TikTok. Okay. Meaning it's a short video platform. Now, a lot of people flatter. take those short videos and they put them on all platforms. So you'll have stuff that's you. on all of them. I, you can see TikTok on YouTube. TikTok it has, as a platform also has, which I, I don't even have a TikTok account, so I'm speaking from. You can go ahead and say that. You know, Just what a, save me, but. Meaning, <laughs> I know that there's ways to put like videos side by side for like reactions. So there's different like tools built into it for making the actual content. Wow. Um, and it's entertaining. And people spend a lot of time on it. And it's basically like the drain of our society, I think, you know, where it spirals down. Interesting. You know, so. This is how we prepare for Passover. To don't, get off of TikTok. Don't do TikTok. Get off of TikTok. So what two points did you get out of Matthew 26, verses 1 through 19? So my first point would be uh, to search yourself. Um, and what is it that you in your life would not give up for the Lord? Or many of us would say, oh, I would give up anything. I have given up everything for the Lord. But maybe there's something that you would think twice about. You know? Yeah. Like give up. You know, this or that. And listen, I'm not saying the Lord, you don't have to torture yourself with this question. Like, oh, my children, I would never sacrifice. Nobody's asking you to sacrifice your child. No. But there are things that if the Lord called on it, finances for some people, uh, social status for other people, um, relationships for other people, you know, depending on what it is. Right. That if the Lord's calling you out of it, that you don't want to give it up. You know? Right. Or would think twice. So I would, true. I would say search what those things are and then evaluate them so that you can keep the Lord as the priority. That's the important piece. I'm not, I don't want to condemn anybody for anything in that regard. So that's almost your value system. Yeah, well, because we have to reevaluate our value system. That is a value system. We got our priority straight. Um, and then uh, what was my second point? I just, it just left my brain because I didn't notate it. I had it. Um, you go ahead and do your two if I think I'm my one. Sure, that. we got time. Yep. Uh, here are my first two. And I love this because we have examples in the Bible. Number one, we need to show Yeshua that we value him through our lifestyle. Example, Mary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, don't betray or deny one another like Judas and Peter. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that... Uh, and I won't get into any personal names, but I personally support people that other people would not support. Mm -hmm. And I don't deny them. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't deny them or their ministry. Mm -hmm. I say it from the pulpit mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed. Sure. And I will live with that. Yeah. Because I'm not a denier. Mm -hmm. I've made up my mind. I know what I believe. And that's my final answer. And if I change my mind, I will let you know. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how we can we can do something like that. Like maybe some people might not want to be too connected to us, right? Mm -hmm. Because they could be persecuted or whatever. Because there was a time where an organization would tell these ministers, if you go to Beit Tehillah, if you go to a two house oh, yeah. congregation, yep. you will be blacklisted. You will no longer minister in this organization. So I don't want to be that person. Telling people where they can and cannot go. Yeah. So those are my two. So thank God for Mary, and of course Judas and Peter. Peter Peter denied, but he repented. Yeah, I like that because don't be a Judas is really the point there. Um, don't don't or Peter, right? At least a Peter when he's denied. You know, 
You know, it's interesting going back to the Gospel of Jesus, my last thought. The Gospel of Jesus is wrong. The simple reason is because of the scriptures. That he would be the son of perdition. That he would betray. Right. Just like David had a great counselor, Ahithophel, who turned on him and went to Absalom, yeah. his own son. And so what happened is Ahithophel, counsel wasn't taken. He got his house in order and hung himself, yeah. just like Judas. Yep. And David was so distraught over that, that he had betrayed him, that it was in the psalm. This is a person who I broke bread with, who I worshipped with. So did you get that other thought? No, we're good. Let's pray. Let's pray. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Father, thank you so much. We love you. God, we we want to get our priorities straight. We want to give you everything. We want to search our hearts, and we want to be clean, Lord. And we thank you for the blood of Yeshua that washes us and makes us clean. And we thank you for right standing with you, God, that you made a way for us through your Son. And as we come to his sacrifice, God, we just want you to instill on us this year as we read this, as we approach Passover and Purim this year, that you would, that we would appreciate your salvation, that when you have shown up and that you have delivered us, God, we just want to thank you. We love you. We appreciate you in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right, guys, you uh, keep the conversation going in the comments. And if you have any questions or you want to send me an email, you can do that at ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.